We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, what's going on? It's the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour here on Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here, of course, at IB Nation. Joined by Mr. Sean Davis, Recruiting Analyst here at irishbreakdown.com, as well as the co-host of the Lucky Lefty Podcast, which you can find on the CFB Nation YouTube channel. Um, CFB Nation channel. You can also YouTube Lucky Lefty Podcast, and that'll pop up for you. Him and uh, former Notre Dame quarterback, Malik Zaire bringing the truth to the Notre Dame landscape. As uh, yeah, what, what do you say, Sean? You say uh, we 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 talk it different. What, what's your what's your saying, man? We're lefties, so we spin it different. We spin it different. That we was it, it I, man. I, I messed up your uh, I messed up no, your little mantra there already. But it's uh, Sean. This is gonna be a fun show, though, man. We got, of course, a lot of recruiting talk to get to. Yeah, we are now a week removed from the dead period officially lifting. So now we're in a quiet period right now from the recruiting side of things, which means a lot of visits are going to start to happen. We had two visitors over the weekend for Notre Dame, and we'll see more and more that visitor list at boards that irishbreakdown.com is going to be added to. So make sure you go to boards that irishbreakdown.com and sign up because a part of the intel from the team side, from the recruiting side, we also have that visitor list, which will be constantly updated as we get more and more information on when 2024, 2025, and probably even 2026 recruits eventually get to campus to visit the University of Notre Dame. So make sure to sign up there. So how this show is going to work today, Sean, is the first section is going to be about some recruiting updates, man. We'll talk about some visitors that happened this weekend. We'll talk about some visits in the future, some things you need to know from the Notre Dame recruiting side, because this is what you're here for, right? But one other thing that we wanted to talk about today, which I think is a fun topic for the second segment of the day, Mm -hmm. is for people that don't follow me on Twitter at Rise and Draft or don't follow you know, just my work with Irish Breakdown, my roots originated from the NFL draft side of the business, right? Working with agents, doing consulting, doing NFL draft content, all that great stuff. So I was down this past week and into Saturday at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. Of course, there were four Notre Dame players that were on tap there in Indianapolis to showcase themselves against some other great players in hopes of, you know, raising their draft stock leading up till April. Of course, Isaiah Foskey, Michael Mayer, Brandon Joseph, and Jared Patterson were all there. So we're going to do a quick recap in segment two of how each one of these players fared during their week in Indianapolis. And me and Sean thought this would be a fun idea 
to give you guys a little sneak peek into some of the players that might be able to be at the 2024 NFL scouting combine from the Notre Dame side of things and how we expect that they would perform there from a testing perspective. So we're going to give you that glimpse. We're also going to hit a mailbag at the end. But like I said, man, Sean, it is a crazy world right now, man. We're fresh in the offseason. We have another coaching hire that we expect to happen probably over the next couple of days. Marty Biagi, who was the former uh, former special teams coordinator at Ole Miss, is the guy that is the heavy favorite for Notre Dame. He is visiting today, and it is a similar situation to the Joe Rudolph stuff from last uh, two weeks ago, I guess now, where if the visit goes well, we expect, you know, as far as the interview checks out, that he most likely will be the new special teams coordinator at Notre Dame, right, in the near future. So nothing has been formally offered. It hasn't been accepted. Obviously, you can't accept something if an offer is not on the table, but that's where things are trending, obviously, right? So uh, that's big news on top of all the recruiting world, man. Uh, Sean, my, my wheels are spinning a little bit, man, because I'm just like, there is so much stuff to talk about today, man. A lot of stuff. Man, let's get to it. Let's get to it. I can't wait. It, yeah, man. Pretty good weekend. How was your weekend, bro? It was really good, man, because I so I left on Tuesday morning to go to Indianapolis. I got back on Saturday afternoon. Will not lie, Sean. I was missing the family, man. <laughs> I was really missing the family. So yeah. I got back early enough on Saturday so I could hang out with Juliet and my wife, Caitlin, for a while. And then, you know, Sunday was kind of catch-up mode on the recruiting yeah. side of things, you know, get some things ready for obviously the work week and all that great stuff, man. But it was good. It was good. Um, How, how was your week? You, you were chilling? Man, chill. Of course, you know, Sundays for us, family, church. So that's always great. You know, had some great NBA viewing yesterday. I did check out Chris Rock's special on Saturday night, laughed a little bit. So, yeah, just, man, spent some incredible time with the family and did some things. It was a great weekend. And then, of course, I got to watch the combine. So, yes. you know, watched our Notre Dame guys go out there and compete. So, yeah, man. And we'll, we'll, we'll have, we only had three people there as far as I'm concerned, but you know, that's another. <laughs> well, we'll talk about all that <laughs> stuff, man. The second segment. Sean. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's a it's a great kind of you know transition to some of the recent news, Sean. You know because yeah. it is one of the things you know we're talking about how our weekends were and all the busyness and everything, right? Well, Notre Dame recruiting department was very busy this past weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, like we said, there's going to be a lot of visits that are going to be starting to be set up. You know, throughout the next couple of months here in the spring and summer. But there were two visitors to Notre Dame just this past weekend, man, and a couple of guys. One that has an offer. One that does not. So let's start here with just a couple of the recent visits, and then we'll talk about some players that have either changed a visit for Notre Dame or also have scheduled a visit for Notre Dame, one in particular that is a really big one. So I want to start us out by talking about Cameron Clark, who is – sorry, correction real quick. So the player – and I have an update on him later, probably later today most likely. A player that visited that did not have a Notre Dame offer before the visit and left Mm -hmm. the visit with an offer. So both players that uh, that led to Notre Dame this weekend do currently hold Notre Dame offers. So my apologies for that little retraction there. So Medina, Tennessee, South Gibson pass rusher, Sean, Cameron Clark, who I think we talked about a little bit a few weeks ago because yep. he's been pretty fresh to the Notre Dame board. He's only been on the recruiting radar. Well, he's been on the radar for a little while, but he's only been on the board for Notre Dame with an offer for you know a few weeks now. 6'3", 230-pound pass rusher, very productive two-way player for South Gibson. He plays tight end, plays defensive end. I think he had 80 tackles last year, eight sacks, had another three touchdown catches on the offensive side of the football. He visited this past weekend and visited Notre Dame for the first time ever, Sean. And this was a, I would say, I would say I would the best phrase to kind of phrase this one would be needle moving, I guess is an opportunity here. We've talked a lot about the defensive line recruiting in 2024 for Notre Dame and how it's a little jumbled right now. You know, like there's definitely talented players on the board, but like, you know, who are they in with the best? Who are some guys that they're going to make moves with? Are we trusting that they're going to be able to close on some of the top players on the board? There's a lot of question marks for defensive line recruiting. By all indication, man, Cameron Clark had a great visit to Notre Dame. We know he's a player that Notre Dame is very intrigued by. I wouldn't say he's at the top of the list for Notre Dame, but certainly there's some traits to work with. And he talked a lot about, you know, getting to sit down and he spent all of his time basically with Al Golden. Al Washington and Matt Bayless. Cause I think a big part of this meeting, this visit for Cameron Clark was to see what the body looks like, right? To see what the arm length is, to see what Matt Bayless thinks as far as can this kid develop? How much can this kid develop? How much weight can he hold? What is the ultimate long-term outlook for a guy like Cameron Clark? Sounds like a lot of boxes got checked. And it sounds like for me, you know, just, and I have a piece on Cameron Clark for at boards at irishbreakdown.com. If you want to go take a look there, 
But I mean, he spoke volumes of Coach Washington, spoke a lot about just the, you know, just being on campus and, you know, the cleanness and the the prestige that you feel being on campus at Notre Dame. So I think for me, Sean, it really did move some needles with Tennessee pass rusher Cameron Clark. It'll be interesting for me to see now what's the next step, how firm are they on, you know, pushing for Cameron. And and obviously his his offer list, I think he's up to like 19 offers now. His offer list is bolstering as we're talking here, right? There's some schools that are really taking a long look at Clark. But I think Notre Dame did a really nice initial first visit here to sell their vision potentially for Cameron Clark. It's not shocking, right? Everything that you put in the story is spot on. Right. That's what we expect. We expect kids to love the campus because the the campus has an aura about it. You walk it, even if you don't understand the totality of the history. It is different. Right. And then every mom, every mom loves Notre Dame. They love what Notre Dame has to offer. But this young man, I think I think the state of Tennessee has an opportunity from a recruiting standpoint to give Notre Dame two dynamic players on defense at two important positions, one being a defensive back and one being a pass rusher. And in today's modern football, you need those two positions at a premium to be able to have an elite defense. And Cameron Clark would fit that bill. And I'm I'm wondering, are we sensing a trend, right? Because the pass rushers that Notre Dame seems to be targeting are all pass rushers that might have to sit down and have that conversation with Matt Bayless to see, okay, you might be on the smaller side now, but where can we get you to? Like, how can we build your body instead of those ready to go Keon Keeley types that are, you know, you're going to be going up against the top schools and battling for those guys. It's not that Notre Dame is shying away from going after those guys. But they're really tapping into guys that have great traits as a pass rusher, but just might be a little bit on the smaller side. Yeah. And I I mean, I parlay it, Sean, like these school visits on that side of it is almost like the NFL scouting combine in that, right? Like you want that official measurement. You want to see what the body type looks like. Like it's archaic Mm -hmm. scouting side of scouting, but it does matter, right? Like that stuff does matter. And I mean, for for Clark, he's he's listed anywhere between – 6'4", 6'5", on recruiting services, 220, 225. We checked in at 6'3", right around 230 pounds, so a little bit shorter than we anticipated, but a little heavier than we anticipated as well. It was 230 pounds, and I believe he had 32.5-inch arms or maybe slightly longer. So he's not the longest dude in the world, but, I mean, really impressive athlete, obviously. And, again, we're not sitting here and saying that Notre Dame is going to push for Cameron Clark, and he's their guy. But he's certainly a player that they wanted to get in person to see, to yeah. see what the development path could be for Cameron Clark. So an interesting football player, to say the least. Very interesting player. I like him. I love his film. Like you said, we yep. went over his film before. And you tap in, and I'm just very interested in seeing. It's good. I'll be flat out honest with you. It's good to hear glowing remarks from, from young men about Al Washington and Al yep. Gold. Right. You love hearing that. Right. The last time we heard that uh, actually was Brandon Davis Swain. Sure. Talk glowingly about Al Washington. Unfortunately, he's decommitted from the class. But to hear that, it's like, man, that, that, that makes you feel good, because I think most Irish fans 
have been sitting back and taking a wait and see approach when it comes to Al Washington one year down the line after he took the job as defensive line coach yep. to see how he can build on his defensive line recruiting. And he has some big, he has some big ones to get. He has some big ones that he cannot lose flat out. Sean, can I say this too? Is we need to see the end results, obviously, because that's what's Absolutely. mattered the most. But I will say this: a slightly encouraging thing is I am hearing Al Golden and Al Washington's name a lot more over the last few weeks. So, like, hopefully, it's a step in the right direction, man. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. ultimately, you hear their names a little bit more, which is a good thing. We also yeah. had I just want to hit on this one real quick. Nathan Milton just said, formerly Milton fan, said, "Is that Brian?" chatting for IB. Yes, it was, Brian. That wasn't me. So if anybody's meant anything that was said in here, it wasn't me, all right? All right? I saw my name get thrown out there. I'm like, I didn't say anything, man. <laughs> I'm just doing a show right now. But, yeah, interesting player, though, Sean. I would say this, too. Another intriguing player that came into a visit this weekend was a kind of a, a one that we didn't know anything about. He hadn't announced that he was visiting Notre Dame. We hadn't gotten too much insight until after the visit, and I had a nice opportunity to sit down with him last night. That is Warner Robins, Georgia, mm-hmm. high school athlete, Isaiah Canyon. Sean, I didn't know anything about this kid. And again, we have that immediate immediacy reaction where we say, the kid's not ranked on any recruiting platform. He isn't. An interesting well, player, though, because you put on his film, he's playing wide receiver. He's playing quarterback. He's got good numbers on both of those areas, by the way. He's playing cornerback as well. So he's playing all over the place. Someone compared him a little bit to Brandon Hillman, and like, I kind of get it because Isaiah Canyon is, I think, an underrated player from a ranking perspective because he is talented. I'd I, yeah. I, I ask anybody to just go watch the film and, and notice that he is talented, right? But he's a guy that just hasn't played one spot enough, right? Like, he gets moved everywhere because he's an athlete, he's a very good athlete. Notre Dame offers him as a wide receiver. They come into this weekend. And if Warner Robbins sounds sounds um, sounds familiar to anyone, it's because of this, Sean. We've talked about this before. Chancey Stuckey is from Warner Robbins, Georgia. He went to Northside High School, so not Warner Robbins High School, but he has a connection, a deep connection, and a deep reputation in Warner Robbins, Georgia. Well, Isaiah Canyon came this weekend, and – Notre Dame, I think, verified everything that they liked on film with the size and all that type of stuff. Because he's listed at 6'3", 190. And obviously, he checked a lot of boxes. He left this visit with Notre Dame with an offer, official offer from the University of Notre Dame. I don't know how much you've gotten to see him yet, Sean, but he's a very intriguing player. Again, we need to see where his place is in with this class, with the priority list, all that great stuff. Because there's a lot of really talented wide receivers on the list for Notre Dame. But – it's hard not to get a little excited about some things that you see on film and an interesting football player that left Notre Dame this weekend with an offer. I remember when you mentioned his name this weekend about the visit it was on the, uh, the board. I immediately jumped and looked at his film. I actually, I actually like him as a cornerback too, just from an athletic standpoint. Right. But I'm like, yo, this dude is a really good deep threat. <laughs> like you, that's good talent in the state of Georgia. So when you see a young man running by guys with ease and getting separation in the state of Georgia, that's pretty good speed. And so that's the one thing that stood out to me. It's like, okay, he is definitely their team's deep threat because that's the way they're using him. And I expect them to get better and stronger. But I'm intrigued by his athleticism. I really am. 
you know, are you you watch his film? You're not about to see a, a bunch of different routes, like you said. He hasn't played a lot. You he's know, a, he's a he's a vertically position. oriented route yes, runner right now absolutely. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, but explosive yep. in that, and that's what you want to see from the film that he has out right now. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if he locks in in one particular area and kind of develops and becomes a little bit more nuanced, whether it's defensive side of the ball or offensive side of the ball. And Sean, I was writing an article about Isaiah Caddian this morning, and this is just, it's so weird that we are like a calendar year with Chancey Stuckey, right? <laughs> and before that, he had only been a position coach for one year on college. Year. But I am sitting here and I'm like, you know what? If Chancey likes him, I'm going to give him a shot, you know, and I'm not going to shot too much. Like, that's where we are. You're giving him the Mike Mickens, the Mike Mickens love? I mean, almost. I mean, obviously, Mickens has done it it a lot longer. So, like, he has a little bit even longer of a leash as far as evaluations go. But, I mean, Chancey's identified some really talented players. I mean, Quasi Gilmer was another guy that he's identified in this cycle already, who I think is a very talented player. Micah Gilbert's one that I think the full staff obviously had a little bit of insight on that one, the North Carolina wide receiver. But uh, yeah, man, it's a uh, it's very interesting football player. I know Brian just put in the chat that he measured in at the Atlanta Under Armour camp at six foot three and a half, one hundred ninety one pounds. I ran a four five one in the forty yard dash for junior and high school. Man, that's moving. <laughs> that's moving. So he's a very talented football player. We'll see, you know what uh what the next step is with Notre Dame. But I- I'll say this: if Notre Dame does make a strong push for him. I do think that Notre Dame will be a tough team to beat in the end. I think that they will they, – they'll have some power there, I think, right? Because I think it's yeah. the relationship with Chancey Stuckey already. I think yeah. it's Chancey Stuckey being from Warner Robins. Like that means a lot, right? It does mean yeah. a lot. People know him around those parts. So I think that they have they would have a very good chance with a guy like Isaiah Cannon if they did push. So we'll see what happens with it. But left the, left the week with uh, – with an offer, and congratulations to Isaiah. It seemed like a really nice show, man, from my interview yeah. with him, obviously. And uh, interesting player to keep an eye out for Notre Dame. If I'm not mistaken, Warren Robbins is the home of the fabulous Freebirds as well. I'm sorry. That's, you know, taking my wrestling roots back a little bit. But I think Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Gordy, and the crew, I think they were from Warner Robbins down there. Yeah. It might be, yeah. I, 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 I'll, I'll let your uh, knowledge on that. On that Just side. watch, watch the chat. The chat's going to fill up with people <laughs> talking about it. The wrestling fans of IB Nation. But, no, it's definitely a football factor without yeah, question. Man. Dude, I love these chats because they get so – I know they get so um, so off-tangent sometimes, man, but I find it really funny because someone just asked about my glasses. So I'm wearing new glasses today. They're not new glasses, though. They're a pair I've had for a long time. They're like my spare glasses. My daughter decided to bend the arm yesterday, no. Sean, and that was not, that was no. not going to work out too well. So, yeah, new glasses today, man, new glasses today. But uh, back, on ta- back on the regular train of thought here, though, Sean, back on topic here, two players that we wanted to talk about that have already set visits to Notre Dame. One is a change that I want to talk about for a second, and that is Reading, Pennsylvania, Wyoming offensive lineman, Caleb Brewer, who we've talked a lot about on this show, he has rescheduled his visit. Originally, he was supposed to come to Notre Dame for the first time, first time, by the way, on April 1st. He's going to be coming on March 31st instead, the day before, because his family has decided they're going to kind of do like that. They're going to kind of do that Midwest swing a little bit, Sean. So they'll be at, on April 1st, they'll be at, um, they'll be at Michigan. 
as well. So they're going to go Notre Dame to Michigan and do all that type of stuff. So I, after talking again with Caleb, you know, after he filled me in on kind of the rescheduling stuff, still feel really good about that one, Sean. I really do. Again, it's his first time visiting Notre Dame on March 31st. will be his first time ever, him and his family. It also needs to be said that there's going to be an interesting moments coming up soon here when Joe Rudolph starts really heavily recruiting for Notre Dame when everything's officially official when he's allowed to do all that type of stuff. And someone just said it's April Fools for Michigan. Would it be fantastic if we just like commit to Notre Dame? It was like I'm not thinking that trip before, right? <laughs> but you know, obviously we we don't expect that to happen. You know that that the process is going to play out a lot longer than that. So, but but Sean, so. I, he needs to speak with Joe Rudolph, see yeah. what the meshing is there, that relationship, continue to grow, all that great stuff, which would be important. But I still like where Notre Dame sits. Today, I've been consistent about this for a few weeks. I feel as strong as I have you know, after my conversation with them. I think that this is a Notre Dame-Penn State battle. That's what I believe. I believe that it will. those two teams will be in the finals lists till the end. Michigan, I will applaud Michigan for a second. Not that we do that much on this show, but Michigan's doing a really good job in that recruitment. Really good yeah. job. It's kind of reminiscent to the Charles Jagasaw recruitment last year, Sean, where you're like, oh, Michigan's actually, you know, they're putting in a little work here. They're they're doing their best. Like they're getting in it a little bit. That's kind of how I feel with Caleb Brewer. I think Michigan's trending in a good direction, but I just don't, I think that Notre Dame and Penn State were just a little too far ahead at this point. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. what it obviously ends up with, but um, that's a familiar yeah. trip, right? That's a familiar trip, you yeah. know, for people that come to the Midwest, hit Michigan and Notre Dame in the same day. Like you said, Charles Jagasaw did it a couple of times. Uh, some other recruits that Notre Dame targeted in the 23 cycle did that cycle a couple of times with both of those trips in one weekend. So, um, yeah, I don't mind that. Push us up, come to us first, and then, you know, Go see that other school. Yeah, and I think it's good to to pop this up too, Sean, because to your point, and I think it's a good talking point, Stephen Doty just said, is this visit going to be an unofficial? Who, what can be involved? How do those normally work? Just some underclassmen giving a tour, et cetera. So I think it's working off what you just said, though, Sean. Yeah, they're getting a visit before Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I guess, I mean, Michigan technically, uh, Notre Dame gets the visit before Notre Dame. I guess technically, if you want to look at it this way, Notre Dame gets the Final crack, if that is the final crack, but this is an unofficial visit to your question, Stephen. This is an unofficial visit, which means Caleb Brewer still has five official visits that he can take. And if it does trend all the way towards the official visits being a a differentiator, I would expect Notre Dame to be one of the final uh, final visits that he does take. So then the unofficials usually happen right now. Yeah. A a lot of kids save their officials for the, the fall. And yep. game weekends, so, some in the summer and then into the, the fall. Yeah, yeah, yep. and it, that that gives you usually the earlier the unofficial, the earlier the decision. Yes, from a kid. So if you yep. get a kid that's taking an early, a late March, early April unofficial, more than likely their decision is going to come sometime during the summer. Yep, right. And, and you every, have kids taking yeah. unofficials during the summer. <laughs> They're going to go into the fall or even make a decision right before the start of the season. So, and, and it usually, to your point, Sean, 
is every kid's different. Some kids want to take all five officials. Some of them want to take a couple. Some of them are only going to take one official to the school that they commit to. Like that's, you know, it really depends yeah. on what the kid, who the kid is. So I don't know if Caleb Brewer is going to be the, let's take all five officials guy. I don't know if he's going to take a couple. I don't know if he's going to take one. Like I, I, I we'll see. We'll see how the visit with Notre Dame goes. And then I'll kind of have a, I think a better gauge for that. All I know is Notre Dame's in a good spot in my opinion. I think they have a chance to, and Caleb is very excited to see Notre Dame. We'll just leave it at that, right? Like he is very excited. I was bummed though, Sean, because we, we were talking about his wrestling background. I was bummed. He broke his wrist and he had to miss yeah. the final few weeks of the season, man. Yeah. I was really bummed because he's a top five heavyweight in the state of Pennsylvania, man. Like he was chasing the state championship. I think he was like 24 and two when he broke his wrist or something. Yeah. I was bummed to hear that he got hurt. Yeah. Definitely had to be heartbreaking for the young man. And but Pennsylvania is definitely highly competitive when it comes to wrestling. Like it's right there. Iowa and Pennsylvania are really neck and neck. State of Illinois is competitive, as we know with Charles Jackson, even though he was in a lower class yeah. because of the schools he went to. But you know, you get highly competitive when you start talking about the state of Pennsylvania, which bodes well, right? You watch his film and you're like, yeah. He, he's probably pretty good on the mat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like he is definitely a wrestler. Uh, he's definitely a football player with a deep wrestling background. Like there's no yeah. doubt about that. Uh, a couple differences to Steven's question real quick, Sean. So unofficial is on yeah. the family's dime, right? Yeah. Like the travel is up to them. The stay is up to them. All that great stuff. Official, obviously the school's paying for everything. So they pay for travel. They pay for stay. They pay for food. They, they take care of you. Unofficials are usually also touring athletic facilities and doing just a general tour. Officials are more, we're going to take you into the school. You're going to talk to academic advisors. You're going to see the classrooms. You're going to see the dorms, like more heavy duty as far as the, the, I guess the in-depth nature of those visits. And then obviously usually official unofficial visits are only like a one day visit. Official visits are usually a weekend, They're usually multiple right. days, that type of stuff. So that's usually the, the biggest differences between yeah. the, the visit schedules. That's why you see most people save theirs for the fall yep. and, and game days. Yep, that's uh, – yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they want that full weekend experience of a game day too, right? Like yeah. they want to be around the fans and yeah. you know get their food taken care of, all that great stuff. So yeah. it's, it's a really fun time. Last guy, Sean, I was able to confirm this yesterday, Saturday. I forget, you know, whenever. It, it was up on the message board at boardsetoutspring.com, and I also had the uh, little more in-depth piece this morning about it. Notre Dame will be receiving – a visit from a pretty talented player. His name's Jaden Riddell. He is out of Raymore, Missouri, Peculiar High School, rated by, I believe, 247 Sports as the number one tight end in the class. He's a top 100 recruit by multiple platforms. He will be visiting Notre Dame on March 25th, so later this month, Sean. This is a big one for Notre Dame. It's a big one for Notre Dame. He was just at Alabama this past weekend. He's visiting Notre Dame. He's visiting LSU, visiting Tennessee. He's got a few already set up. Notre Dame, I know, you know, from our sources, Notre Dame feels pretty good about where they are with Jaden Riddell, but there's going to be a lot of suitors. There's going to be a lot of interest. This is a chance for Notre Dame in his first visit to campus to knock this one out of the park, Sean. Like, they have their chance to put their pitch out there to impress him, impress his family, and hopefully make some big waves because I think they feel good about it. 
but like this, this visit is either going to move the needle to the utmost degree, or it's going to move the needle a little bit, but not quite enough where you're going to be able to outlast some of the powers that are recruiting this type of kid. Look, we watched this film and I was just loving the fact that they didn't even attach him. <laughs> like, you know what? He's probably the best receiver on our team, even though he's our tight end. And you're talking about running deep routes, getting behind guys. I see why he's ranked number one. And you looked at this rankings you talked about. You see Carter Nelson coming in somewhere around three, four in that range. And, you know, they already have Jack Larson in the class. And we, we've toyed with, you know, sitting down amongst the coaches and begging to take three if you can, if you have the opportunity to get Carter Nelson and Jaden Riddell. But, no, you know, for him to set a visit and once again continue the pipeline. This is why planting the flag is so vitally important. I would venture to say the offer and the connection that Chancey Stuckey has in order to go ahead and make that offer this weekend is an opportunity for Notre Dame to plant a flag in the state of Georgia. You have to find a way to do it at some point. And to be able to do it in Warner Robins and Notre Dame once again to keep the flow from the state of Missouri, St. Louis area, coming to Notre Dame with Jaden Riddell would be absolutely amazing. Can't wait for him to get in. Hopefully be able to watch a practice. It's tight in you. It's tight in you. It should like, be an yo, easy sell, man. And then your sell. your tight end coach who did a great job with Michael Mayer is now the offensive coordinator. <laughs> you know, like absolutely it, it should be a decent sell it really yeah. should we'll see obviously what what if it moves the needle with the guy like Jane Rattel but I mean Sean I think you said it perfectly and I just want to reiterate this again Missouri right now especially in the St. Louis area is putting out a lot of really good football players a lot absolutely. of really good athletes especially mm-hmm. Notre Dame needs to put a little fence around Missouri because there's no in-state power like no. if, if it's noted if it's Notre Dame versus the Missouri Tigers, Notre Dame better win that one a hundred out of a hundred. Like you better not lose a player to the University of Missouri. All due respect to Missouri. And it's still a Midwestern school, right? Like yeah. it's still a, I mean it's still a Midwestern state. You can extend, I mean, it's like five hours away. So Notre Dame needs to be able to extend and win in the state of uh, state there. And uh yeah, I think George is another good one for you that you said, Sean. I feel like we always talk about like the big three is like Florida, California, Texas, right? But Georgia yeah. needs to be in that conversation, man. They put out some absolute, dudes, brother. Man. Like some absolute a dudes. Ton, man. A ton of talent from yeah. that state. Tons of talent. I'm talking about difference making talent. Like <laughs> the fact that in the same high school season you had Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence going at it in the same state. And that ranked the first and second quarterbacks in the nation. It's like when you have that type of talent, you understand why Georgia can solidify itself from a recruiting standpoint, right? Because they can stay in state and probably come up with four or five, five stars every year. Yeah. Just in state. So Sean, Sean, the flag in these major cities is big for Notre Dame. I I posted this a few weeks ago. I beg anybody to look at the Georgia recruiting list from 2020. The kids coming out of the state of Georgia. That was Miles Murphy, Will Anderson year, right? Yeah. Sean, Joshua, uh, sorry. Yeah, Josh Downs from North Carolina, the wide receiver. He was the 15th ranked player in the state, man. There was a player, I forget who it was, but there was some player ranked in the 60s that might go in the top three rounds of the draft this year. Like, it is just a. I might pull this up real quick, man. I want people to understand just how wild this is. You named three players that they didn't get 
<laughs> oh, yeah. I you don't think Notre Dame got a player in Georgia that year. Don't say, you named three players that Georgia didn't get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they no, still found <laughs> That's crazy. Ready? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this up real quick. So this was the state of Georgia 2020 recruiting class. Eric Gilbert, mm. Miles Murphy, Broderick Jones, Will Anderson, Tate Rutledge, Tank Bigsby, Philip Webb, Brian Branch, Miles Hinton, Jameer Gibbs, BJ Ojolari, Josh Downs, Harrison Bailey wasn't very good, Kobe Hudson, Jaquavius Marks, we got Javon Baker that went to Alabama, you have Nazir Stackhouse who just won a second national championship with the University of Georgia playing defensive tackle, Max Johnson was the 26th ranked player in the state, barely a four-star, Kevin Swint, Daywan Edwards, who is a running back out of Georgia, who is a really good football player himself. Rashad Torrance, who's in the draft this year, starting safety for the University of Florida. Jared Ivey, who's a stud at Ole Miss, a defensive end. I mean, man, this uh, – Sean, literally – oh, 38th player in the state, Jaheim Bell, tight ends. Wow. Like, yeah. So you named, like, what, five guys that might go first round this year? Just in the first round this year, I mean – yeah, Miles Murphy will go first round. Broderick Jones will probably go first round. Will Anderson will go first round. Brian Branch will probably go first round. Jameer Gibbs might go first round. BJ Ojolari might go first might round. Go first Josh round. Downs. That's seven guys that might go in the first round in that one recruiting class in a single state. Yeah. Wild, man. Yeah. Wild. How that, that, that 2020 Georgia group was just nutty, man. Like It was just yeah. really nuts. It really was. It was – Wild so it's, kind it's, of it's vitally important for players in a state to recognize and the coaches to recognize, okay, a kid has gone to Notre Dame and been successful. Yeah. That's huge. You have to set that precedent. And, and you can't be fearful. And the fact that Chancey Stuckey, he comes in, what does he do? He goes back to where his experience has been in his one-year coaching in Texas. And he minds the state of Texas goes back to his roots as a player and where he grew up and he wants to plant a flag and start mining the state of Georgia. That guy have long-term benefit down the road in several positions for Notre Dame. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you just mentioned the roots in Texas. He has roots in Georgia, obviously. He grew up in Georgia. He also lived out in California a little bit, Sean. So we're talking about the Jason Robinson connection too in Long Beach, Poly. Yep. Like yep. he – Chancey Stuckey's been around a little bit, man. He's been around yeah. a little bit. He has some yeah. roots everywhere, which is, I think, helping in the recruiting side of things, to your point. So that's the recruiting updates we have. Again, Cameron Clark updated his his visit this past weekend to Notre Dame. Warner Robins athlete Isaiah Canyon, who got offered by Notre Dame this weekend during his visit. It's Caleb Brewer rescheduling his visit from April 1st to March 31st. A little bit of a Midwest swing. And then Jaden Riddell setting a visit, his first visit to Notre Dame for March 25th later this month. So that's kind of the main recruiting breakdowns that we'll talk about. And uh, yeah, man, if you all want to keep throwing some questions about recruiting in, we'll have the mailbag in the third section of the podcast. But that's going to do this one. This is a little bit of just our kind of recruiting update portion of the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. All right, so Sean, we are now in section two of the podcast, segment two. I, I was down in Mobile, but I'm Mobile. I was down in Indianapolis. <laughs> I, I thought I was at the Senior Bowl for some reason, right? I was in Indianapolis for the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. There yeah. were four football players that were on 
sites in Indianapolis for Notre Dame that were there to obviously show themselves against some of the scouts, evaluators, personnel people, general managers, coaches that were on tap in in Indianapolis. So, Sean, I, I think periodically, man, like let's just work through a couple of these guys, kind of what we saw from them. You know, obviously it was a – a little bit of a mixed bag from a Notre Dame perspective, a little bit, but let's start with who I would say probably had the best workout of anybody of the Notre Dame players on site in Indianapolis. Yeah, That's Isaiah Foskey, defensive end, all-time leading sacker, 26 and a half sacks, four-year player, actually technically only a three-year player on the defensive side of the football, barely played when he was a true freshman. I know he blocked the punt when he's a true freshman, but he barely played on the defensive side of the football. Still ended the career as Notre Dame's all-time leading sacker. Sh- Sean, I mean, for me, man, I knew he was very athletic, but seeing it in person <clears throat> just hit a little different. Like it hit a little different, you know, yeah. because he he was also a little bigger than what he measured in at the Senior Bowl last month. He was six five and an eighth, two hundred and sixty four pounds. So he gained a couple pounds. Was a little bit taller than what he measured at the Senior Bowl. 34-inch arms. His length was actually a little bit longer than it was at the Senior Bowl as well. He runs a 4.58 in the 40, a 1.66 10-yard split, which is a very good time for a defensive end as big as he is. 34-inch vert. He had a 10-5 broad jump, which is a really nice number for his size. Yeah. And he also ran a pretty good three-cone, man. I, he's a, yeah. Isaiah's a little stiff on film, so I didn't expect him to be the great change of direction player. Yeah, but say that one more time. Let's say that? that part. Say that part one more time. He's a little stiff as a football player. Okay. Is that what you okay. wanted? Yeah. No, I just wanted to make sure that was heard. So when we continue this conversation, yes, people have we have, we give objectivity. Yes, yes, always objectivity, man. So he's a little stiff, but he really had a nice number in the three cone, and I was like, oh, that's that was surprising. I didn't expect him to even do either one of those tests. I didn't expect him to do the three cone or the short shot. I expected him just focused on that at the pro day. But he did a really good job showcasing the talent that he has. And, I mean, Sean, the kind of the latest I was hearing was it was more in the day two range. You know, I think that there were some NFL teams that still like him as a first-round potential player. But coming into the week, I think that it was more second- to third-round type evaluations for him. Leaving the week, I mean, because he interviewed really well as well. Like, we can't mm-hmm. discount that, right? He interviewed well. He tested really well. I wouldn't be shocked if he snuck into the end of the first round. I wouldn't be shocked about it. But regardless, I have a hard time seeing Isaiah Foskey. And, and in the NFL draft world, anything could happen. But I have a tough time after the performance that he just put on, seeing Isaiah Foskey falling out of the top 64 picks. So I think first two rounds for sure. Could he sneak in the first round? It's very possible because you don't see guys – his size that move as well as he do all the time. Like there's very few guys that have his size profile or as athletic as Isaiah Foskey is. I fully anticipate that a team like the Chicago Bears could end up with Isaiah Foskey, especially with Matt Eberflus and their 3-4 system that they have. I can see him standing up, coming off the edge, and in sub packages, I can see him playing the end in certain sub packages, being 6'5", 260. So especially with him – and his pass rush being focused more, as he said, on the power game. He's more of a power rusher, in his opinion. He really doesn't have, going back to what you watched on film, that flexibility to really turn the corner and get low and go around the corner using the speed that he has. 
He has speed. He does have speed. But he, he's, he's, cho speed. he's chosen to use power as his main source of his pass rush. So I'm sure coaching in the NFL can get a hold to him and give him a little bit more diversity in his pass rush and make him a little bit better. He could be a double-digit sack guy. It's possible. In the NFL. He can, I don't know if he can do what Hassan Reddick did this past year, but he could be a double-digit. But So a team like the Bears that is probably going to move back in a draft, pick up multiple second-round picks, would they go ahead and take a chance on Isaiah Foskey that fits what they want to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And objectively looking at him, I would I would be happy with that. Because you like you said, look, for sensible guys like us, the combine only confirms what we believe about a guy based yeah. upon the film. Yep. Either we don't get over the like him running four or five eight is not something that we didn't expect. It didn't Did shock he? me. No. I, I, I think I said like four six two to four six five, like somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. I knew he was fast, man. I yeah. knew he was athletic. Like everyone we, did. Everyone we did. We knew that. We knew he yeah. had length. We knew, but like you said, the film shows one thing, and then when you line up what he said to the media about himself, it helped me to understand certain things that I saw on film when he was at Notre Dame. When he talked about my first approach is to power rush guys and bull rush guys. I, oh, that's why you struggle with really big long linemen because you're trying to power rush bigger guys. And uh, yeah. that's not probably not the smartest thing to do. When you're going against the Dewan Jones, the Paris Johnsons of the world, you need yes. to have some variety to your A pass variety. rush. Cause Absolutely. you might get them once, you know, kind of sticking your foot in the ground and going down their chest, but it's not going to be consistent, man. Like you need some inside counters. You need some speed to, you know, you need some counter variability to your arsenal that you have. Like, you need that stuff, man. The pass rush plan. We talk about it all the time. You need that effect. Your Isaiah Foskey at the next mm -hmm. level. He reminds mm -hmm. me, Sean, of a future Baltimore Raven. Like, that's who he reminds me of, man. Ooh, like, he's Zadarius Smith, Preston yeah, Smith. Like, yeah. what, what's the other? Matt Judon, Matt right? Judon. That was a really good player. Like, yeah. those power-based players. Yeah. But I just – that's my biggest frustration with but, Isaiah, though. That's the same type of, you know, because they do that, right? They yep. go to that four-two-five with the two line outside linebackers pass rushing, and then yes. they'll go to the three-four. You know, they just – they have two great inside linebackers now. Yeah. Right? So they can handle the run game. And getting him to add to the pass rush on the outside, that would definitely fit Baltimore. It would fit San Diego. In, in, in a certain way. Um, wait a minute. San Diego just went – I think they just switched, didn't they? As far as – what, defensively? They, they were traditionally like 3-4. They're, they're, they're still a 3-4-ish team because they okay. had Khalil Mack this year, so they You're were right. playing you know, that role as well. That role as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. the Bears. There's still some teams. Pittsburgh is also a team that loves Notre Dame players. That you can look for, yeah, uh, Stephon to it, Stephon to it, TJ yeah. Watt with his injuries the last two years, maybe you know, solidifying behind him on the depth chart from a pass rush standpoint. There's some, there are some teams that I think and, would love to come up and get him early and, in the second and, round, maybe late first. And I would never shy away from this, Sean. And you know, this has been consistently my opinion on Isaiah Foskey. Isaiah is inc incredibly talented football player, man. Mm -hmm. Like the traits are just so enticing. Yeah. And despite him being the all-time leading sacker at Notre Dame, 
I still feel like there's so much more that he could be, man. I, I just don't think he's nearly hit his ceiling. Like that's where I am with it. You know, like I, I think that there needs to be an emphasis on pass rush variety, pass rush plan. If there is, we'd be talking about Isaiah Foskey being an absolute steal, even in the late first round. Like he has that type of talent that he could be one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I truly believe that. How baseline? He can still be a good baseline. He can still be a good player, but do you want to be more than a power base rusher? If you are, yeah. I mean, then we're talking about really taking the next step, man. I, 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 but he can be so good. He can be so good. Yeah, and I don't know. I'll be fair to him, right? I don't know how much we lay at the feet of Mike Elston and Al Washington. That combination that he played under when it comes to developing multiple pass rushes and getting him to realize, man, I need to do a little bit more than this. Yeah. It's 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 very interesting. I, he had the most intriguing media comments to me as far as his approach to <laughs> pass rushing. I was sitting there like, wait, what? But it, Sean, it, it frustrated me, man. It frustrated yeah. me. Some of his, yeah. and, and so let, let's start this conversation real quick. We were going to try to save these for the mailbag, but I think it's a very pertinent question. There were conversation here. Jason just said, why didn't Al Washington teach him other moves or was he not willing? Jason, I, I mean, from Isaiah's comments. And that's what we have to take for as a grain of salt, right? Cause we don't have the practice availability every single day. He credited Al Washington a lot for adding moves to his arsenal and and, learn, and variation and learning new things. But then to Sean's point, and this is what frustrated me about Isaiah Foskey's media availability is he talked a lot about that. He just wants to play down a guy's face all the time. He just wants to be a power based rusher. And I'm like, okay, so it sounds like to me, and this is just by Isaiah's comments, you know, I guess I'm speculating slightly, but like it proof is in the conversation. I mean, literally there's video out there if you want to see it where he says that Al Washington gave him tools to kind of put tools into the toolbox, right? Tools into the arsenal. But it sounds like to me that he's more kind of just sees himself as a power base rusher and it's just not an emphasis on using it as much. So I think, I mean, if you ask me, which one is it more? I think it's more that Isaiah was kind of set with his plan, right? And the player that you've been, because the one thing is, and Sean, this is a tough part too. Isaiah Foskey in 2021 had 11 sacks, right? Like he was very, very talented player, very productive player. And when you're that productive, I do think it's sometimes hard for people to kind of sit back and be like, oh man, I was really good this year, but I could be better. Right. Like it's hard for people to have that moment when you're so productive and you could just do things that not a lot of people can do and be and get that type of production despite not being an incredibly nuanced player. So I'm not actually willing to blame Al Washington for this one. I'm not. I'm not willing to blame him for this one. I do think this is more Isaiah Foskey's opinion of who he is, right? What he sees himself as. And I hope that whoever his next coach is on the NFL level can get through to him and be like, Isaiah, like, you're an incredibly talented power rusher. There's no doubt. But if you add this to the toolbox, if you add these two things, you can go from good to very good to elite. You can go to being a, a one of the better ones in the league. Like I think he has that type of upside, which is, again, why he's just a little frustrating of a player to me, just a little bit. You know you just opened the door for me, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what you that means. just the door yeah. for me. Because, yeah. like, the last I checked, Isaiah Foskey said and told everyone that he came back to Notre Dame to win a national championship. He did? Yeah. 
But now you're talking about his pass rush being basically what he feels like he wants his to, wants his pass rush to be. See that? Look, man. At some point, I'm all for a guy three years in recognizing, like, yo, look, coach, I know how to get to the quarterback. Sure. Like, I'm keep giving me tips, keep forcing me to think about my fundamentals. Yeah, keep me focused. But after three years, I I should have it down how to get to the quarterback. And I understand if he felt like that's who he was at his best, that's fine. Unfortunately, if you came back for the purpose of winning the national championship, that wasn't putting your defense in the best situation, constantly trying to, especially against the top teams, with big offensive linemen with reach, that's not how you're more most effective for Notre Dame. So yeah, it's just it's just interesting, you know, because I don't I'm not a I'm not going to sit here and call him a selfish individual. I wouldn't but do it that just, either. It, yeah. it, it brings to question though when you have guys come back right when they could have gone to the NFL, how locked in are they really on the team aspect? as opposed to them. Yeah. Well, and I would say this, Sean, I think that Isaiah Foskey showed me during the season that I do think he was locked in and he was a competitive cat because, I mean, you got off to that bad start and I thought he had a really nice game against North Carolina, right? Like he came back and he was like, nah, dude, like we're going to do this, right? Against USC, he wasn't having a tremendous job as a pass rusher, but he was setting the edge firm, man. He was playing hard. Like he was playing hard. So Isaiah didn't pack it in. I just more think that maybe he's a little bit set in his ways as far as who he is as a player when in reality I think that he can be a more impactful football player down the line. Like I so it, it almost right. makes you feel like he's satisfied with who he is. Or he has a or he just has a very one track perspective on who he is and doesn't think outside the, the spectrum, right? Because like yeah, I mean, because there's some people that just look at themselves in one way and they never like it's like a person that's in a job, right? You get a job right out of college. You think that you're just this your entire life, right? right when in reality, right. I mean, like, like I was a teacher, right? I could have yeah. just kind of put those those um, those blinders on and be like, mm-hmm. that's all I'll ever be as a teacher. That's right. all I'll ever be. But right. in reality, when you start looking out and you start like really evaluating, you're like, oh, wait, I can actually do that too. Mm-hmm. I can do that if I wanted to. Yeah. You don't have to just limit yourself. And I think that's what Isaiah does a little bit sometimes, man. I think he limits the full variety of what a type of pass rusher he can be. Yeah. I don't think he's just a power rusher. I don't think that's what he is. I think that he has nuance that he can add to his game. I think he's a gifted athlete. We saw that in Indianapolis. And if you combine some of those parts together or all three together, we're talking about Isaiah Foskey being an incredibly impactful football player on the NFL level, which I think he can be. I really do, man. His talent is undeniable. Like nobody can deny, even people that hate Notre Dame, they can't look at Isaiah Foskey and say, you know what? That guy's not talented. <laughs> yeah, right. He's 6'5 and an 8, 264 pounds and ran a 4.58. Yeah. He's incredibly talented, man. I just wanted yeah. to take the blinders off. Isaiah, yeah. be the best player you can be, man, because I still yeah. think there's more there. I still think yeah. there's more there. Yeah. And I think, I think we've, don't 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 get me too bad, okay, Ryan. Uh-uh, I'm, I'm uh, about to say it. something. <laughs> what are you? And yeah. I hate that I hate that I hate that I have to mention his name. Oh no! 
Okay. But I think the one thing that stood out for me, let me start here. The one thing that stood out for me is that we talk about the gap between Georgia and Notre Dame. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I watch Nolan Smith and I watch Robert Bill and I say, oh, okay. I see. The, the gap is is evident, right? It's evident right there. It's like, okay, yeah. we have we have one Isaiah Foskey and they have like just four or five of these guys just floating around <laughs> on the depth chart. It, it's, it's like a, it's a great point. Cause I mean, like Sean, I would even it's a great point because it's like if Isaiah Foskey went to Georgia, Isaiah Foskey mm-hmm. would play and he would be impactful, right? Because he right. is that caliber of a football player. But the difference between Notre Dame and Georgia is that they have five Isaiah Foskeys, not one Isaiah Foskey. Like that's the difference. Exactly. You know? Like that's the exactly. difference. <laughs> exactly. And one of them got hurt early and didn't even play. Yeah. And just shows up and runs like a 4 4. Sean, one of the forgotten, yeah, I know he ran 439 at 238 pounds, right? 41 and a half inch vert. Like Nolan Smith's a freak. But the one thing that people didn't talk about enough in the 2021 season, so the 2022 national championship, was that was that no one talked about the fact that at Georgia's best pass rusher the first like five games of the season was Adam Anderson, who got yeah. into legal issues. They lost Adam Anderson, and they didn't lose a lose dang beat, man. Then it's all oh, it's like, oh, Nolan Smith, Robert Beal, come on down. Like yes. <laughs> this year, yes. Jalen Carter misses a couple games. Oh, hey, Nasir Stackhouse, come here. Come Bear in. Alexander, come on over. Warren Brinson, come on down. Like the depth that Georgia has is what's really different. Like that's the different. That's what makes them a different type of program right now. Yeah, it's not that Notre Dame's top tier players aren't as good as Georgia. I don't agree with that fully. I don't. It's yeah. the depth. Like it's, it's the depth. That, they it's have the six depth. of those dudes instead of just one was, of those dudes. I was <laughs> looking at I was looking at the measurables of the early enrollees, and I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Like Devin Houston's six four two eighty two already. I know, like, man. Okay, I know. like he's yeah. he's playing. Like he's playing early. He he's yeah. playing this year. And then I'm like, where's 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 the other one? <laughs> like, should we have two in this class like that? And that's yeah. the level the recruiting needs to get to along the defensive line where you're coming with, oh, we have two of those guys. Right. They're coming. We got two of those guys coming, and we got two guys that are pass rushers coming on the well, outside. Sean, it's, Sean, think about it this way, man. You saw the national championship game, right? Yeah. Who was the best defensive tackle in the national championship game for Georgia? It was Bear oh, Alexander, Bear man. Alexander. It was Bear Alexander. Absolutely. Bear Alexander barely played this season. <laughs> barely played, man. If he was on Notre Dame this week, this year, yeah. he's yeah. playing almost every snap. Yeah. Almost every one. Yeah, and that, that for me, like we said, sensible people use the combine to confirm what we see, right? And what we saw was confirmation not only of who Isaiah Foskey was on film and the amount of talent he has to get better on the next level, if he will go buy into it. Yes. If he will buy into it. But it also points out, okay, this is the gap between, you know, I I think, you know, the difference between Isaiah Foskey at 4-5 and – Carter and Beal at four three nine four four two, I think, respectively. Four four eight, I think. Four four eight. Yeah, it's like a step or a step and a half. That's like corner 
and a guy getting the ball off and a strip sack. You know, so like Isaiah Foskey just missed. And Nolan Smith got their strip sack, touchdown, or either you have the ball. And that is the type of athlete and difference maker that, you know, you need to have on your roster when you're trying to win a national championship. So, you know, we talk about a recruiting standpoint. And Cameron Clark, you know, can he be that guy? Like he's fast. Yeah. Can he be? I mean, like you said, Nolan Smith is measurable. He's not a huge. He's like, what, 239? 238, yeah. 238. Yeah. So. Nolan Smith's not long either, man. He's got like 32-and-some inch arms. Like, it's not like he's like this, like, long. I mean, if you look at him and Isaiah Foskey standing next to each other, you'd be like, I want Foskey. I want that guy, right? right? And, I mean, he was more impactful for his team than what Nolan Smith was for Georgia even. I mean, yeah, there's some context, right? We're talking about a 6'2", 238-pound guy compared to Isaiah Foskey, who's 6'5", 264. Like, very different football players, obviously. Absolutely. But I think the point still stands, though, Sean, is that we talk about Justin Scott a lot, right, in 2024? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, Notre Dame needs to get Justin Scott because he's one of the probably five best players in the class. But they don't need – they they also need more than just Justin Scott because there's yes. going to be plays where Justin Scott has to come off the field, man. Like, you need Say more. It. Say it. Need more than that, man. Yes. Like you need to follow up that class with some other impactful football players. It can't just be Justin Scott and everyone else. It can't just be Isaiah Foskey and everybody else. Like you need yeah. depth. You need to find it on the defensive line. So we'll see. That was a great conversation, man. Built off of one player's performance. Let's move on, Sean. And I'm going in order for people that, that don't don't know as far as when these people did their they're testing throughout the week. So Isaiah Foskey was day one of on-field testing. Day mm-hmm. two was the defensive backs, which means Brandon Joseph was the one that was a uh, participant that day and obviously representing University of Notre Dame, also re- representing Northwestern. So, Sean, I, I'll be very honest, this one, right? I loved Brandon Joseph after the COVID season 2020. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fantastic. After 2021, I thought he was still good, but not quite as good as the year before. This past year, well, Notre, I don't need to recap Notre Dame fans what happened this year with, with Brandon Joseph. Like, he just seemed to disappear a lot, right? And there were a couple good games. Like, Syracuse, he was excellent, in my opinion. Ohio State, he was really good. And there was a lot of no-shows in between those games, though, right? Like, there was a lot of no-shows. We got the media availability. I think he's a highly intelligent football player, and I want to buy into him so bad. Char. I literally turned to another media member, a good friend of mine, and I was like, I want to buy into Brandon Joseph so bad, man, because he's just a, such a smart kid, and he's had really good ball production, and there's been some good film out there. Then he gets to the on-field section of the, of the uh, testing, though, Sean. Man, not great, man. Just not great. I mean, it was just incredibly underwhelming. I think he ran 4.62 in the 40, which is not a great 40 for a free safety. Had like a 30-inch vert, a sub-10 in the broad jump. The short shuttle stuff wasn't great either. Like all the rounds, tested as a below-average athlete, man. So now I'm sitting here, Sean, after regression the last two years and not a very impactful 2024 season. uh, Sorry, 2022 season. Now leading into a less-than-stellar all-star game and combine performance. I don't know what to think of 
Brandon Joseph's draft stock, man. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't get drafted at this point. I got nothing. I got nothing. I have not, man. I got nothing. I didn't expect anything from him. Once again, the combine confirms. It confirms what we saw on film all year. Absolutely. And not explosive, which is strange. It's like you said, you go back to that that 20 year and you project, you start to project his athleticism. You're like, I remember we were talking on the field at the end of pro day last year. Remember? And we were like excited saying, yo, pro day next year. It's going to be wild. Has has a a chance of really being good. And we were really thinking about the times that could be run at Notre Dame's pro day with the guys that could be leaving. Sean, I I think we both both expected more or better. I at least expected the short area stuff to be better, man. Like I expected a good three cone. I expected a good short shuttle. Like that stuff wasn't even good, man. I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it, man. He's a confusing player to me. I think the instincts are great. I think he plays like a better athlete on film than what he tested like, but I I don't know what I hang my hat on right now. I don't know what to hang my hat on. It's confusing because what does it confirm, right? Because you have the 20 film. Yeah, which is great. 20 film, which is great. And then you have moments like, yo, him against Ohio State, he was flying around. <laughs> he was flying around the field. Sean, after that first game, man, I was like, oh, man, the old Brandon Joseph's back, baby. Absolutely. And then, no, it wasn't. And then, like, in between, you just have these just disappointing moments, missed tackles, yep. looking bad in space. He's looking, like, more comfortable as a rover <laughs> rather than a safety. It's yeah. like it's it's just mind-boggling, but you know it confirms the inconsistency that we saw. It, you if know, you so. if you didn't like Brandon Joseph going into the combine, you didn't leave liking him any more after the combine, man. Like it was just very. He's been consistent this season, Sean. It's been consistently disappointing. That's just what it's been. That was his Notre Dame tenure. All due respect to him, that was his combine performance. It just wasn't good, man. Just wasn't good. It was almost like he didn't even prepare. He just showed up. The same guy he was all year on film. <laughs> and, and maybe maybe we overrated how good he was. I guess partly, but still, man, like you can't tell me that he was that impactful early in his career, and he just wasn't nearly that guy again. Like it was just weird to me. Maybe we got caught up in the people he was next to at Northwestern. The Greg Newsoms of the world. Greg Newsoms, yeah, he was he was next. That secondary was darn good. It was just overall. That was a darn good secondary. So, um, that's something I worry about, honestly, for my Illini moving forward. Because, like, I understand, like, dude, every piece of that secondary performed well at the combine. Every (laughs) last one of them. It's like, okay, now I understand why this darn secondary. Was dude, I, wired, I, wired, Sean? I didn't. I didn't expect Jertavius Martin to be that much of a freak. By the way, man, I, I thought not. he was gonna be good, but like a freak like that, like wow. I didn't man. expect Sydney. I didn't expect Sydney Brown to run as well as he did. Like you said, yeah. Martin. 
Uh, we know who Witherspoon is. It's just like I, I like the Kendall Smith kid too, man. Like yeah. I, he didn't get a combine invite, but I think he's talented as well. I mean, that's he, he's going to show up the pro day. Yeah. The talented group, and that's that's what we're talking about. Like the next class, will it be the Benjamin Morrison crew that finally goes to the combine for Notre Dame and kind of just? Well, we're gonna that's, get we're tone. gonna get into this in a, in a couple minutes, Sean, because yeah. we do have a little bit of a preview that we want to put out there from the twenty twenty four class. We'll get there, man. Let's go through probably the most overthought player of the twenty twenty three NFL draft, in my opinion, hmm. Michael Mayer, mm-hmm. All American tight ends, multiple times, one hundred eighty career catches, two thousand ninety nine yards, eighteen touchdowns. Somehow didn't win a Mackey Award during the course of his career. I still still would love someone to uh, to make me understand that one a little bit more. Sean, there was this weird opinion out there that Michael Mayer tested poorly, tested like a bad athlete, and I did not get this at all, man. If you look, everyone loves that relative athletic score stuff, right? RAS mm-hmm. tested out really well, man. Tested out really well. I ran four seven flat which is a solid number for Michael Mayer. I don't think anybody expected him to be a 4-5 cat, right? Like, no one expected that. Like, I thought 4-6-something would be probably the highest he could go. Runs 4-7 flat. The explosiveness was good. I mean, he checked boxes from the vertical, from the broad especially. Those numbers were both above average. Yeah. And I'm looking, and I'm just like, People are like losing their minds. Like this kid's a bad athlete, and I'm just like, no, nope. He's a good athlete. He's just not like the straight line fast guy. Like he's not going to run like a couple of these other guys in straight line because it's not. If you watch Notre Dame, you knew that he wasn't going to be that type of dude. But he kept he checked the boxes from a testing perspective. And then Sean, I'll say this, man. He killed the on field workouts when he was running routes when he was doing the gauntlet, all that stuff that really is more translatable to being a football player, Michael Mayer was a dog all day. Like, he was a dog. So I I put it – I phrased it as Michael Mayer took care of business. I think Michael Mayer proved everything that he had to prove. His media availability was one of the most impressive all week. He is a really smart, sharp kid that is so competitive, man. You can just hear it in his voice with how he speaks – I thought he took care of business, and I just think Michael Mayer is we did we literally did this last year with Kyle Hamilton from a media perspective. We did this last year, Sean. Remember when he ran the bad 40 and everyone's like, oh, Kyle Hamilton's overrated. And then he goes in these the wait, highest wait. rated rookie I, safety ever. Can I tell this story? Yeah. Can I tell this story? So yeah. I'm <laughs> we're at the pro day last year, right? So double R has the 40. Yeah. And he was at the he was Clock in the forties, right? So I'm like, I'm like on the other side of the field. I forget. I think I was watching the bench press or something. I don't know what it was, but he run the forty, and I watched Kyle run his forty from across the field. And I never forget. You walked up to me, and you were like, "Ugh!" And I was like, <laughs> "Wait a minute!" I was like, "Was it that bad?" You're like, "I don't know," but that just goes back to like overthinking it, like. Well, Sh- Sean, he ran worse at the pro day than he did at the combine, and I did not care at all. You know why? Because Kyle Hamilton was really good on film, man. Yes. <laughs> like, that's all it yes. is. It's- yes, yes. I remember you walking up to me vividly and being like, Ugh. I'm like, okay. But like you said, we were shocked that he dropped the way yeah. he did in the draft. Like, what is going on? And then Paul's writing like, look, man, 
I heard some people talk about, man, I want I would rather have a tight end that has more wiggle. Have you not watched Notre Dame film? That's what are you the talking about Sean. That's the worst opinion that's out there. Is people think that Michael Mayer is like this tight, not flexible athlete? I'm like, have you seen him break off some routes, man? Like he could get in and out of breaks, guy. Like he can move. Shout out to the NFL and the combine for adjusting their on-field stuff. Yes. Because like, we saw some new things, some new setups for the running backs, the wide receivers, because the one thing that stood out, especially on the fade route part, mm-hmm. like you saw how quick Michael Mayer's feet were in that in that field drill. And I'm looking, I'm like, whoa. And that that's what helps him get in and out of breaks. Yeah. Like you might be watching the upper body and see something that seems a little stiff, but his feet are incredible in running routes. So he doesn't have to be 4-4, four, 4-4-8. Four, 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 he can be 4-6-2. He can be 4-6 four, four, and play faster because he has great feet. Yeah. And he did everything. Wait a minute. Understand this. <laughs> he did everything. With teams double teams double teamed him for two seasons. Yeah. At Notre Dame. Two. And he did what he did. Man, it's just so it's just so frustrating, man. It's it's uh, uh so what they're going to do, let me tell you how dumb the NFL, this is why NFL executives are dumb, right? <laughs> yes, this is why they're dumb because the teams that really need help are at the top of each round. Right? That's the way it goes. Right? Yep. But they're going to overthink this. And they're going to let Michael Mayer go to a good team. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. He's going to go 28th in Cincinnati Bengals, Sean. That's what's going to happen. He's going to go to the Bengals or the Chiefs. Knowing the Chiefs. Could you imagine if he was the Chiefs? (laughs) Knowing that they have Kelsey on the back end of his career, more than likely. Yeah. The Chiefs will jump. The Bengals and say, oh, no, no, no. We can't let him get you. We'll give Pat another piece because we're already a 12 personnel team, right? That's, that's how they approach Philly, right? They're a 12 personnel team, right? Yep. And they were, throwing no, they were throwing Noah Gray out there. They could throw out. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So yeah. you don't think they can't upgrade the tight end position? So we'll go ahead. We'll get Michael Mayer, Travis Kelsey, and we'll just – Yo, who are you? You gonna are you really about to double Travis Kelsey now? Are you really about to do that? Look, man, this is why the great organizations stay great. Yes. Because all of the other teams overthink it. But the Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs, like they just like absolutely. good to the lap, man. That, that's they, all it is. Absolutely. It's they it's like the Kansas teams. City last year in the third round let Leo Chanel from Wisconsin just fall into their lap, man. They let Creed Humphrey fall into their lap at the end of the second round two years ago. They let Trey Smith fall into their lap in the sixth round because of the medical yes. issues. Like They just yes. take good football players yes. when football yes. players are on the board. That's yes. where we are. Three, three examples real quick on Michael Mayer, Sean. And I think because – there is a possibility that Michael Mayer falls a little bit in this class. There is, because people overthink this all the time. They do. One, in the 2018 NFL draft, Dallas Goddard, who has turned into a pro Bowl tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles out of South Dakota State, Sean, he was the second tight end drafted that year. You know who's the first? Hmm. I should know this. Who was it? Mike Gesicki, 
Mike Gesicki from Pittsburgh. Combine yeah. freak. Freak. Mike Gesicki. Yes, let's take him over the actual good football player in Dallas Goddard. Here's another one, Sean. Someone on Twitter tried to insult. Someone on Twitter tried to insult Michael Mayer on my thread and said he's a lot more Jason Witten than he is Travis Kelsey. All right. Similarly, tra- Jason Witten and Michael Mayer are pro- tested pretty similarly. People forget that Jason Witten was actually a good athlete coming out of Tennessee. They just remember the yeah, uh, late coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Witten lasted until the third round of the draft when he came out, Sean. And someone set, used him as an insult, and I'm like, you know Jason Witten caught 1,200 passes and went the to Hall 11 Pro Bowls, right? He's going to make the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and I'm just like, um, guys, he's pretty dang good, sir. But I, I would still say, in my opinion, I would say Michael Mayer still has better feet. But my, but that, look, Jason Witten, I mean Witten, Jason Witten yeah. was like, yo, you want a combination of blocking? <laughs> route running. He wasn't about to take the top off the defense. But so but whew. I, I just couldn't believe that someone used him as an insult, man. I'm just like, you, you know, Jason Witten was like really good, right? Like he was really good football player. Literally 1,228 catches and made 11 Pro Bowls, Sean. 11 Pro Bowls, man. And I was watching, I think the coverage and I think it was I think it was Jeremiah I think it was Jeremiah he was just fawning fawning over Dalton Kincaid just <laughs> oh my god watch how quick he gets out of breaks and uh, I'm like okay all right uh- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, and here's a good one, Sean. Last guy I want to bring up. And Jay Henry is my guy because this is the last example I was going to use. Jay Henry said, I think Mayer is Mark Andrews from Baltimore. Jay. Okay. I agree with you, sir. I agree with you. He's a comp that I gave. He's a comp that I gave. You know what else about Mark Andrews? Mark Andrews was incredibly productive at Oklahoma. Tested, not you know, superb about where Michael Mayer was, you know, mm-hmm. good athlete, not a great athlete. Mark Andrews went in the third round, Sean, of the 2018 NFL draft. He was drafted after Mike Kosicki. He was drafted after Dallas Goddard, who's a good football player that I mentioned already. He was also drafted. Uh, sorry. He was the third tight end off that board. So Mike Kosicki in once in one draft went before Mark Andrews 
and Dallas Goddards. That happens. You know why it happens? Because I see people saying he was very good at Penn State. He was a good football player at Penn State, man. Mike Kosicki. He wasn't a great player, though. He went before those, those guys, though, because he blew up the combine. Had nothing to do with film. Had zero to do with film. Because Mike Kosicki, we know, was incredibly tight as a route runner. Really good in the straight line, for sure. Really good route runner. Didn't block a lick and still can't block a lick. None. Still can't block a lick. None. Who was his quarterback? Trace? Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley? Yep. 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 It's, uh, yeah, man. It's and again, I, I just Sean, I'm still like killing it in my mind, man. Where I'm like, people really use Jason Witten as a knock on Michael Bayer. Like he's more Jason Witten. Okay, so he's gonna make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, okay. Oh man, I hate people so much. It's just so funny. Last guy, Sean. We spent too much time on that one. Jared Patterson was in the last day of testing on Sunday, mm-hmm. offensive line group. I had mixed feelings on this one, Sean. I thought he looked really good in the field work and two of his tests were good. Like he, he had a, he had a actually, sorry, three of his tests were good. He had a good broad jump. He had a good vertical for his size, both above average, well above average. And his 10 yard split was good as well. I think it was like one, eight, two. It was above average. It was good testing. His 40 time was not good. But I, again, I would say like 40 time does not matter to me for an offensive lineman. I care about that 10 yard split. His 10 yard split was good. Cool. But he had some bad short area numbers. Like the the twenty yard shuttle wasn't awful. The three cone was terrible, though. Like it was terrible. It was terrible, and the shuttle was below average. Right? It wasn't terrible though, but it was below average. I don't know what to think about Jared Patterson anymore, Sean. I still think that he ends up going in the mid day three range. Like I still think he's going to be a fourth to fifth round draft pick somewhere because he. I mean he. He started for four years at Notre Dame mm-hmm. at two different positions. And he also carries that Notre Dame legacy with him, right? He's, he's stamped that he start, was a Notre Dame offensive lineman. That matters mm-hmm. to people. It does. No matter if people want to act like it doesn't or not. But I didn't think his film this year was great. I thought it was good at times and inconsistent at others. And then he's got the durability stuff. And then I thought the, the testing was – Solid but unspectacular is how I put it. Solid but unspectacular. I still think he's a good football player, obviously, but I, I don't think he's the player that we once thought he could be, in my opinion. Uh, I, <clears throat> we just interviewed Robert Hainsey, and I think the path that Robert Hainsey took, totally different position, because Robert Hainsey was playing tackle at Notre Dame, right? Yep. But I think it applies, because he ended up going from tackle to interior and playing guard. And, of course, they lose Jensen. Uh, Third day of camp this year in Tampa Bay, and ultimately he ends up being a starting center. And I think the strength of Patterson is going to be his versatility. Like he's played pretty much every position at Notre Dame. I think he ends up settling as, as a center. And I think he ends up outplaying wherever he's uh wherever he's drafted. So if you're saying third day and that's where he lands, I ends up I end up feeling like he's going to definitely eventually be a pro bowl player at center in my position. I think he's going to end up at a center as a center. His injuries at guard would make me, that's the only thing I'm, I'm worried about his injuries because he's been injury prone, but I just the pedigree is the same thing. With Robert, Robert Haynes, he told us after his first training camp, he was like, yo, I'm trash. Like, 
<laughs> but that's what you take that next step and you realize like there's more to this. Like even though you're good on the college level, there's there's levels to this thing. And the fact that he put in the work, came back to campus, you know, because Harry was back, worked with Harry, worked with some guys, and then worked went out. And I think uh, Shipley was a longtime offensive lineman that he worked with out in Arizona. He put in the work. And as long as Jared Patterson puts in the work along with the group of guys that get together, the Notre Dame guys always seem to get together during the offseason. I see no difference with him. I think he's going to be a soft. Notre Dame guys always perform in the NFL. It's going to be a, a health issue for him. And if he stays healthy, I see him being a very productive center slash guard for some team. And you know better than this. My question to you would be, is, what's one system would be more beneficial for him? Would it be more beneficial for him to go to a zone team? Yeah. Would it be more uh beneficial for him to go to another type of run game that for for him i think will be key yeah i I think he's definitely a heavy zone blocker i mean he's definitely a movement-based player because i sean i i don't think that he has a great power profile i think it's improving but not great right like just solid power profile he's not a gap scheme center in my opinion he's a guy that's like, let's get him on the move. Let's combo to the second level, get him out yeah. in space a little bit. Cause I still think even though he didn't have a great 40 time or whatever, like I still think Jared Patterson's a good athlete on film I yeah. th- for a center spot. I think yeah. so. I think he can move a good bit. So yeah, yeah I-, I think that there's a baseline for Jared Patterson as well. As long as he's healthy to your point, I think he'll be able to back up a couple different positions. He can back up all three spots on the interior, right? Like he can back up all three spots and then maybe he's a starter eventually, but I just, it was after his redshirt freshman season. I think we thought that Jared Patterson might be one of the next big, you know, big guys from the offensive line perspective. And he just never took a next step. Like he was just always kind of the same, you know, like he's a good player. Wasn't a great player, you know, like this time last year, they were talking about putting him at tackling. Yeah. Taking Blake Fisher inside and it's like with with 31 and 5 8 inch arms. Yeah, yeah. Probably wasn't the best idea from the Notre Dame offensive line team. No. <laughs> no. Yes. Very, very happy that that one did not happen because he's definitely an interior <laughs> offensive lineman. There's no doubt. But absolutely. Sean, that's the 2023 um, NFL scouting combine. Kind of a little update on how some of the players perform there, the four Notre Dame players. Sean, I, real quick, man, before we get into the mailbag, we already have a ton of mailbag questions. We'll work through as many as we possibly can when we get there. I wanted to talk about a couple of the guys that could be in the 2024 NFL scouting combine that are coming back on the roster, man. Yeah. I mean, Sean, we have to start with the offensive tackles, right? And it's absolutely. no guarantee – that Joe Walt and Blake Fisher are both going to be in the 2024 NFL draft. I would say this. I think it's a better chance right now, based upon accolades, that Joe Walt is that guy that leaves early. That would be my guess right now. But there's a possibility that you could lose both of those guys in, you know, to the NFL after next yeah. season. Yeah. I look, I think the chances are right now, I'm going to go ahead and be objective. I'll say the chances are 60% that they both end up in the draft it's possible next year. Yeah. But the history at Notre Dame, with the caveat of it being Harry Heastan being the offensive line coach, there has been a history of guys coming back for their senior season. 
yeah, to play for Notre Dame on the offensive line. So, yeah, of course, I think everybody in here would love to have both of them come back for their senior seasons. But, you know, just looking forward, I think Joe Alt will probably be – will probably test better. You think Joe Alt will test better? I, I, think I think he will run better. I think he would run – yeah, just because of the weight difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, would, he would run better. Might move better three cone. I'll say this though, man. I think if you if they're both if they're if you see them both like side by side though, mm. some NFL scouts could be like, "Whoa, look at Blake Fisher, man! <laughs> it's wild. It's like he's just a massive kid, you know, just like broad yeah. shoulders, tall, yeah. just yeah. big everywhere, yeah. you know." And yeah, I, I think they'll both check check all the boxes that you want from like the size measurable perspective. I, yeah. I bet that you know Joe probably runs a little faster. Blake Fisher might jump a little further, though. He might be a little more low body explosive than yeah. what Joe is. But yeah. man, Notre Dame has a chance, Sean. Though if the, if they both come out, they, I mean, that's about as. I mean, we, we talked a lot this year about you know Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson and that mm-hmm. duo, right? Yeah. And impressive football players from a size perspective. And, you know, uh, I know Paris, you know, was didn't do a ton during the combine. Dewan, I know, ran a 40. And, you know, some people were like, oh, he only ran 5'3 uh, something. I'm like, he's 375 pounds. Like, what did you expect him to run? Right. But Notre Dame has a chance, man. If you yeah. want to sell offensive line, continuing offensive line, you at Notre Dame, like, hey, did you see those two guys both at the combine this year for Notre Dame? Because, yeah. I think Joe Joe Alt's going to have a nice, you know, nice variables from a arm length perspective. He's going to look yeah. good in drills, all that great stuff because he's so controlled. He's so athletic. Blake Fisher might be a little bit more all, all over the place, man. But then you're going to see like the explosive stuff. You're just going to be like, yeah, he's pretty talented, man. Like <laughs> he's pretty talented, you know. So yeah, I, but like, a, like yeah. dude, Notre Dame is Notre Dame's been in this position before, right? I think Ronnie ended up coming back. Ronnie could have left. He could have left early. He came back. I think McGlinchey probably could have left early. He did. He came back. You know, Notre Dame kids, once again, with the caveat of Harry Heastan being, you know, the offensive line coach at the time, traditionally have had those decisions before them and have chosen to come back because they love the school, they love the program, and they love their guys. So, you know, as much as we're projecting that they have the talent, to enter their names into the NFL draft and forego their senior seasons. Uh, Joe Alt will have far more playing experience. Yes. Than Blake Fisher. And yep. that's that's going to say a lot. But other than that, I think they both will test well. I, I think I, so. They both will test well. I think they would. I think they would. They both will test well. You know. Sean, that, that takes me to the other side I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about some defensive guys before there's a mm-hmm. couple other guys I want to hit on and kind of wrap this. Defensive line-wise, I think Javante Jean-Baptiste, who's an Ohio State transfer, he probably wouldn't have got a combine invite this year because he did have some borderline draftable grades, you know, some seventh round, some PFA. So he probably would have gotten to Mobile, I mean, to Indianapolis this year, excuse me. I know for sure he had an East-West Shrine Bowl invite. So he was going to go at least to Las Vegas for the All-Star event out there. John, Javante Jean Baptiste is one. Riley Mills is the other that I wrote down as a potential guy that could be in next year's draft that could blow the doors off the players because he's going to be a senior now, fourth year player. Yeah. I know he'll still have 
more eligibility if he chooses to use it. But, Sean, I'm going to say something, and I want your reaction to it, man. And please disagree if you think <laughs> I think Riley Mills could blow the doors off of testing in Indianapolis, man. He was, he's going to show up at like 6'5 and some change, 300 pounds, and he's going to move a lot better than a lot of 300-pounders that go to Indianapolis. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think he would kill the strength. He would kill the bench press. I think he the broad drunk. I think he would test better than most people would expect him to do. And I think it what his 40 would probably be in the four seven. I don't know if that I mean four eight at 300 pounds, maybe four four eight, four nine, something like in that ballpark. Yeah, I think he's gonna test well, man. I really do. I yeah, think the broad jump's well. gonna be good. Yeah, and I think recone for as big as he is for a 300 pounder, you're gonna be like, oh. Yeah. That's why he played on the end at Notre Dame a little bit, right? Yeah. Like that's one yeah. right there. So yeah. he, he could surprise some people, I think, man. I think, I think he really so can. Well. Yeah. I think so as well. And obviously, I mean, two guys that we know are going to be there, Sean, one from both sides of the ball. Cam Hart's going to be at the combine next year. There's no doubt. I mean, he was he had a senior bowl invite. He chose yeah. obviously to go back to school because of the injury and everything, but he had a senior bowl invite. He'll test next year, most likely, unless he chooses not to. And then if Sam Cam runs a four. If Cam can run a four or five, if he runs a four or four, I, I've been told, man, there's a chance that he could run four four high, like four four seven, four four eight, somewhere in that ballpark, yeah. man. He, and he's going to he runs four or five one. I've, yeah. NFL teams would probably be comfortable. And we had, um, I, I actually have the official measurements on Cam Hart from last spring because obviously he was a senior. So mm-hmm. when the NFL went around to do their measurements, Cam Hart was a guy that they got official measurements on. So let me pull this up real quick because I know I have this. I looked at it before. And I, let, let me just say this. The reason why I love Cam Hart goes beyond football. Like I don't think, and I said, I'll reiterate this. I don't think people understand how much he sacrificed himself Yeah, for – the team like this is a guy that whether you know he was asked to move moved on his own he was moved and asked to be a number one like guys move to the other side of the ball all the time i don't know a lot of guys that are moved and immediately asked to be you have to be a number one cornerback and to come over and kind of succeed at that off the bat and so you can look at what you might think is athletic limitations, not as fast as you would want him to be. But the guy makes – he made plays. And yep. he's, bat- he's battled through – so he plays through injury. He's tough as – there have been games where they needed him and he's played. Yep. He's played. Why? Because my team needs me to play. And NFL, and NFL evaluators, yeah, NFL evaluators are going to love that part, Sean. But then they're probably not going to like the medicals too much. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not. And this is why this he understands his health is vitally important this season. Yeah, he understands that. That's the proven point. Can he stay healthy? Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting because I, I pulled out the measurements, Sean. Six two and five eighths, so he's almost six foot three. Yeah, quarter, less than a quarter of an inch from, well, actually, a little more than a quarter of an inch from six three. One hundred ninety eight pounds and had thirty two and a half inch arms this past spring. For comparison, 
Peter Skaronsky, who might be the best offensive lineman in the class. It's a good argument between him and Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He has Cam Hart has longer arms than Peter Skaronsky does. I just want people to think about that for a second. <laughs> and like Peter Skaronsky has shorter arms for an offensive lineman. So, you know, what a grain of salt, right? But 32 and a half inch arms is very long for a corner. He's got longer arms by almost a almost a full inch to Jared Jared Patterson. Almost a full inch longer <laughs> than Jared Patterson. So you're telling me the Bears might be drafting a Velociraptor, huh? Like uh, with the short arms of the as a tackle. <laughs> But but in comparison to uh, Cam Hart, you might be drafting a pterodactyl next year. Right? So yeah, <laughs> so it'll be interesting, man. I I I think Cam's going to test well though, as long as the injuries haven't like zapped him of athleticism. But I think he'll mm-hmm. test well as an all around athlete. One guy, Sean, that people you know people aren't going to care as much about. People aren't going to care as much about the testing, but it's more about him being there and throwing. Is Sam Hartman. Yeah. who is obviously quarterback in Notre Dame, former Wake Forest transfer. He's a shoe in to be at the combine next year. Like, there's no doubt about it. The yeah. production he's had over the course of his career, he's played obviously in the ACC and now with Notre Dame his final year. He'll be there, barring some catastrophic injury. And, uh, yeah, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on him because, again, it's not like it's not like he's going to set the world on fire from a 40 perspective or do any of that yeah. stuff, but you know, test it, um, being able to meet with teams, throwing the football, that stuff will be interesting. A couple guys I want to throw out real quick, Sean, and yeah. uh, this is a couple of wild cards. And I think the wild cards both come from the running back room, man. Audrey okay. Estime, Logan yes. Diggs, yes. both the third year players and running backs. I, I always tell running back, man, if you're going to get drafted, and you and even if you have a, like if you are a third year player and you're going to get drafted, go, go to the NFL, go. Mm-hmm. You have a small shelf life, especially Audric Estime and Logan Diggs. They play a more physical brand, so they're going to take more hits, right? Like there's only so much tread on their type of those type of tires. I'll say this though, Sean, and I would love to hear your insight on both players. I guarantee, and this is just my this is just my speculation. I think that Audric Estime. When he tests, whether it's twenty, you know, for the twenty twenty four NFL draft or twenty twenty five NFL draft, I bet you he surprises a lot of cats with how he tests. Man, I bet he broads well. I bet he runs a faster forty than some people anticipate at two hundred thirty pounds. Just my opinion, though. I think he's going to test really well. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. And look, just to point out, I would, if I had to wager, I will wager that the combination. Of Estime and Diggs both leave before I wager that the combination of Alt and Fisher both leave. If I had to choose which combo would enter the draft early, I would take the running backs for multiple reasons. And I think they both have a chance to go over a thousand yards. And we're good, right? I think Notre Dame fans were fully we're fully supporting that and cheering for that to happen, right? Because we know Jadarian Price, we know Jeremiah, we know what's behind them, right? We know what's behind them, so we're like, yes, go ahead, by all means, show out this year, enter your name to the draft, get to your bag as fast as you can, and let the youngsters that are behind you come and be the future of that position with Dylan McCullough. And then Chris Tyree, just because he is a senior, 
is going to be there as well. And I, I expect him to test really well. I expect him to be fast. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention Tyree. I forgot to mention Tyree. I, he's going to run very fast. He's going to run very, very fast. fast. I expect him to catch the ball well out of the backfield and, and test well. So, yeah. It's good. It's going to be interesting, man. And we're looking forward, obviously, to what the next cycle is as far as the draft prospects for Notre Dame. Because as we know, the more success Notre Dame has putting players to the NFL, the easier it is to recruit, the easier, mm-hmm. easier it is to sell your program, obviously, right? So yep. that's a little bit of the NFL draft talk, a little bit of scouting combine recap, and look forward to the 2024 recruiting class. We're going to get into the or sorry, 2024 NFL draft class, potentially for Notre Dame. So we're going to get into the mailbag next. Before we do, if you could please hit that like button. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit that five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Notification bells as we'll have a lot more shows, obviously, going into the rest of the week. More of a normalized schedule now that I'm back from Indianapolis. And as always, thank you all so much for tuning in to the Irish Breakdown Podcast.